Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. And this, it, this whole title, this message is Conquer Evil by Doing Good. All right. So here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people from Nikiski. Don't think you know it all. <laughs> Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Doing this will heat burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a guiding light of perfect authority in our lives. It aligns our thinking. It straightens out our wrong behavior. Lord, it leads us to life. Your word is life. In fact, Jesus, you are the word of life. Today, we're just going to take a bite of you. We're going to eat some good food from your word, God. And we pray it will transform the way we think and the way we lead our lives, God. We want to be like you. Pour out your spirit on this day, on this time together. We ask, Holy Spirit, you would be present today and you'd bring fresh revelation into our life by your transforming grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you all. I'm glad we're in here. Uh, it's like about, what, 20% cooler? Maybe. <laughs> this is when we're all wishing we had installed AC, right? But nobody did it. Who has AC in their home? Anybody have AC in their home? What? Do say. Two, three. Man, I'm coming over. Can we hang? Anybody making chicken today? <laughs> He's like, I'll make chicken. But do you have AC and chicken? I'm not coming over unless you got both. All right. <clears throat> this is such a fantastic passage. And is it really challenging? So this is what I want to do. I want to lay a little bit of a bedrock here. Is uh, there's a thing I like to say all the time, and I, I and it's called. In, I say it all this like this: Enjoy the challenge. And it really comes from this thought out of James four six: Is God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. And in in Proverbs it says, "Those who hate correction are stupid." And I just think about these things sort of together. Is I kind of don't want to be stupid. And I really want the power and grace of God moving in my life. And when I do that, it is a challenge to me. Because my flesh and my fleshly way of thinking is out of alignment with God's way of thinking. 
When I get what I want, when I get what I need, I'm always looking at me, that is totally outside of alignment with God's nature and his behavior. His nature, his behavior, when it gets jammed up inside of you because you give your life to Jesus, it's driving you from love. And this love-driven spirit inside of you is causing you to see others and to do things outside of feeding your selfish nature. This is called challenge. This is hard. And so when I, when I think about this, I, I think about like, Lord, when I read your word, I want to, I want to get all that I can. And I want to enjoy the challenge because the challenge is cultivating humility, which empowers your grace transformation in my life. And it helps me not be stupid. So enjoy the challenge today. All right? This is a, this can be simple if we just breeze by it. We go, oh, I got that. I promise you don't got this. You don't have this. Your flesh hates this. It is constantly trying to pull you and I back from this type of Christ-centered, love-driven lifestyle. So let's enjoy the challenge today. Let's slow down and let's look at each kind of little break in thought as the Word of God is challenging us to live our lives driven from God's love. What does that look like? Conquer evil by doing good. That's the last thing it was said, right? So once you have that in your mind, I'm going to dominate evil today. How am I going to dominate evil? You don't have to say some big old prayer. You don't have to get a power sword from heaven and swing it at demons. You don't have to do that. The Bible never tells you to do that. It says you get to conquer evil by doing good. Your mission on the earth is to do practical good to others. This gift where you live's uh, testimony and, and our reaching out to people is a perfect example of us bringing God's love and his goodness to people in very practical, simple ways. Let's remember the framework here as we go back just a little bit in Romans chapter 9. And I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to read it in the message translation. Mariah preached this message last week. But it says this in the message. It says, love from the center of who you are. Ooh. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Or be genuine, authentic in your love. Make it real. Don't fake it. The center of who you are has to be driven from love. Everything you're going to do, and when we look at the passage and everything that's going to come forward and we're going to be challenged to do, has to come from the center of who you are. If the center of who you are is selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, these acts are going to look really different. You're going to justify all kinds of behavior that is outside of the alignment of Jesus. But when love becomes the center of who you are, it begins to change everything. It's like throwing a rock in the center of a pond. It just begins to ripple out, and it affects the whole pond. Amen? Right? Love's big, and you can't fake real love. You can't fake it. Romans 12, 11, here it is in the message. Never be lazy, or I guess this is, yeah, ne don't burn out. There you go. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. In the New Living, it says don't be lazy, right? But serve basically as unto the Lord. Don't burn out. You burn out, it's on you. You're not love-driven. I'm not saying not an accusation. That's taking responsibility. 
Don't burn out. Keep yourselves, not, well, make sure your pastor is keeping you. Make sure your worship pastor is keeping you. Make sure that the, you know, small group leader is keeping you. I say, keep yourselves. Whose responsibility is it to keep themselves from burning out? Just raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand. It's me. Nope, not everybody raise their hand. <laughs> it's yours. It is our responsibility to look after us, the own, our own spiritual flame going on inside. It's our job to stir it up and keep it on fire and stay fueled in a flame. We feed on the word, we feed on praise, and we feed on worship. We feed on service. You're empty and you're dying, you're probably not serving. You're not engaging in your prayer and worship life and feeding on the word. We just start to burn out when we do that. All right. And when I'm saying you got to do it to measure up, don't burn out. You need to be on fire, aflame, and alert servants of the master. You go out on the river, anybody fishing this year? You're out fishing, they're bears, right? Nobody's fishing, and nobody even raised their hand. Come on, I went fishing a couple times. I didn't, only caught a couple things. I'm not the best catcher. I'm great at fishing. But you need to be alert. Walking through tall grass out in the woods in Alaska, you need to be alert. Keep your head up. You're looking around, head on a swivel. You're looking for danger. You're looking for stuff. When we play football or sports, they always say, get down low and keep your head on a swivel, man. You pop through the line, your head's on a swivel. You're looking for the opportunity to make a play. I want you to think about, you're looking for the opportunity to make a play for Jesus. Be alert, servants of the master. I love this version of the Bible. Be alert. You're looking for the opportunity to serve the master, to serve God. Not like, well, if an opportunity comes by, I guess I'll try. We got to get geared up, looking for an opportunity of service, fired up, full of a flame, fueled up, ready to go. And look at 12, 12. Let's go right back to the verse 12, chapter 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. What are we going to do? We're going to rejoice. We start all of this stuff, all this activity, by rejoicing in our confident hope. Confident hope in what? If we go back just a little bit, and you can write this passage down. I don't have it for you here. We're going to stay on this slide, okay? But I want you to hear this. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Context. So it's not just any confident hope you want to make up. It's a confident hope that the writer told us about just a few chapters earlier. This confident hope is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. There's actually more around this in all of chapter 8 you could read, but this is the heart of the hope. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the, have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The hope we're looking for is to be children of God. The hope that we are patiently waiting in, this hope is that we are made as children of God, renewed in our spirit, adopted, adopted into the family. We're his heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You get all the same reward, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And it says you get to share in his glory. Come on, this is such a big deal. When we rejoice, this changes our perspective of everything. All trouble, all danger, all loss, all suffering comes through the lens of our confident hope. And we rejoice in it. So we first rejoice rather than mourn and complain and be like, woe is me. No, it does not matter what is happening around us. When you see through the lens of your confident hope that you are a co-heir with Christ, made a son, a daughter, a child of God, and you get to share in his glory if you choose to suffer with him. Hello. The, we get to share in his glory. The creation will be brought into freedom and, the, and glory of the children of God. Your job, one of the things you do when you settle in and you start from this place of this confident hope and you rejoice in it always, you are bringing life to all creation. You're actually bringing it back into alignment. You're spreading the love of God and the glory of God, which is what the whole world was intended for. You're the only ones bringing it. And, and, and this is why we need to rejoice in it even when things are tanking around us. And they're not going our way. We stand in, we say, God, I'm an heir. I am a, I am a radiant of your glory. I, I just emanate your glory because I am in you. I'm a child of God. And I'm going to rejoice in that. So we see every single circumstance through the lens of our confident hope that we are made heirs and co-heirs as we choose Jesus, we're made sons, we're adopted in the family, and our spirits and our bodies are going to be redeemed. So everybody here, uh, I'm going to tell on my dad a little bit, because my dad, I was hanging with him this whole week, and he said something that was kind of sad but also hilarious, because uh, he's kind of a funny guy. And he was like, man, getting old. You know, everybody, as we get old, we're like, this isn't for sissies. We hear all that kind of stuff. My dad goes, you know, because he's turning 71 here in just a little bit. And he looks great, man. 
he's in great shape. He, is an, he, he looks like he's in his 50s, right? But no matter what, nobody is, escapes old man time, right? And, you know, things are changing for the guy. And he goes, I just feel like an old salmon swimming upstream, and I'm kind of rotting just a little bit every day. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Anybody else feel like my dad? Okay. Um, listen, that's what's going to happen to all of us. It, either it ends quick, or it's this slow rotting as we go up the salmon stream, okay? But this thing that is promised to us is our hope is, is that our mortal bodies, they're actually not made for this space. We get to be co-heirs with Christ and we get to live in a glorified body. This body you have of suffering and this rotting as a salmon, you get to take that experience and go like, I'm never going back there again. I go into eternity, love's permanent by choice. I'm not going back to the rotted salmon thing. We're not doing that. And you right now get a stand in the positive, the rejoicing that even as your body is decaying now, as everything in your life is either you're having good things or bad things happen in your life, you get this positive, rejoicing position in Christ that you're a co-heir and you get to look like him and your body gets to look like his in eternity forever this is a blink of mercy. Time is a blink of mercy for you and I. So we get a chance to choose Christ and experience his redemptive nature. And it makes love permanent forever. It's beautiful. Verse 12, it goes on to say, be patient in trouble. See this? You get to be patient in trouble when you have the right perspective. You see through God's eyes. You see through his lens. Stop looking at your tiny little circumstances. Keep them in perspective. Heaven awaits you. God's glory is with you. And you get to engage in serving and loving people in the midst of your trouble. In the midst of your, uh, in the midst of your trial. Be patient in trouble. Look, I hate getting in trouble. Anybody hate getting in trouble? Uh, my dad used to work week on, week off. And I would always get in trouble when he was gone. I'd cause trouble, get in trouble. Well, I was like 12 and I took his plow truck out for a drive in the middle of the winter. Terrible idea when you're 12. Stick shift, <laughs> big old trash truck, Ford like F1, F350 or something stupid. It was like old sucker. I got it stuck, of course. Blocked the road. So my mom, it was like a quarter mile walk to our house and I blocked it right at the beginning of the driveway. My mom was super happy. She was singing my praises every time she had to park her car at the top of the hill and walk in zero-degree weather. I think my praises had a lot of four-letter names, like, built into the middle of them. But you know what? None of us like to be in trouble, cause trouble or be in trouble. But patience is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of grace. It's not something you have to muster up. It's something you get to tap into. When you have the right perspective, patience comes alive. When you tap into the vine, John 15, the source of life and grace and all love, you get to experience patience flowing in the midst of your trouble. But if you look at your trouble and try to pull on your will, you're going to get discouraged. 
You're going to get overwhelmed. And you know what you're going to have is some stinking bad behavior. What do you do in trouble? Is it like that song? I freak out. I freak out. What do you do? Right? Run. You run in trouble. You freak out in trouble. You have bad behavior, bad language in trouble. Some people like blow off steam in trouble. Do you point the finger at others in trouble? Who's in trouble? Somebody's got to be in trouble, and I don't like to be in trouble, so I'm making you're in trouble. I mean, we have all these crazy thoughts when we don't rejoice in our confident hope and keep perspective and be patient in our trouble. And look here, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Connect to the vine. John 15, you have no kingdom life except through him. Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Not only the way to salvation, but he is the way to living in his glory. And listen, when you are being patient in your trouble and you're praying, you are sharing in God's glory. Don't freak out. I love the message version. It says, don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Don't quit. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. Just give up when it's hard. It's like, oh, it's so hard. I just give up. And what's wrong with me? You know what? Stop thinking about you. There's nothing wrong with you. You live in a broken world. It actually isn't about you. It's about you looking and serving at others. You experience that. You begin to experience the power of God moving in your life. And it creates confidence. Those who lack confidence and who were just weak and, and, and easily pushed around are now strong. All because of him. But you got to see yourself like an heir. And you've got to start to rejoice. Rejoicing is a discipline. Thank you, Jesus. God, praise you, man. Praise God. I love you in this trouble. I can't wait to see how you're getting me out of this thing. I can't wait to see how you're going to show up and change somebody's life. But if you have a pity party, I'm sorry, you're going to miss it. And you're going to walk away, you're going to quit, you're going to give up, and then you're going to isolate yourself and maybe move on to something else. But that's just missing. And honestly, that's all on you. Matthew 6, says this. We don't have the slide, but I want you to write it down. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom which is Jesus, okay? It's your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In fact, each day only has grace for that day to deal with the trouble of that day. You start dealing with the trouble of tomorrow, this is where you start to freak out. You rejoice in your confident hope that his mercy is new today. His grace is new today. And it renews every day. And if you start to worry about the trouble of tomorrow, you don't have grace for that. And you're going to be empty and it's going to be overwhelming. Just a little tip. Seek his kingdom today about today. Stay in today. Verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 
The message says, be inventive in hospitality. Ooh, little creativity mixed in. When God's people are needed, of course, when this time was written, when, this, when the Bible's written, there was lots of persecution. So persecution even now around the world is just crazy, but it's a lot like the time that these individuals were in the middle of, is that when Christians are running and in trouble, and they're being persecuted for real for preaching the good news or being Christians at all, it's important that we practice hospitality. So now we're just like, hey, let's do community and be nice. But to someone who was running out on the street and Roman soldiers were char charging around, killing Christians and dragging them off and then putting them in the arena or lighting them on fire on poles, uh, to be let into a home was life. So I want you to think about this. In hospitality, it's much more than just opening your house and being nice and sharing chicken with your AC, right? I want you to think about when people are really in trouble. How are you using your resources to help them in their time of need? As well as that we do open our doors for community to allow people in need to have something to eat, a place to sleep. Amen? Be ready to help them. What does that mean? It sounds like preparation, yeah. It sounds like I thought about this ahead of time. And a lot of times we say no is because we're like, you know, I'm not prepared. That challenges me as a person. How prepared am I outside of my own family to help others? Just a thought. Be prepared. Makes me think of the Lion King. <laughs> Sorry. It's for those who like the Lion King. Be prepared. Okay. They will know you are my disciples by this. Look at this. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love-driven believers. Love is the center of everything you do. Verse 11, don't burn out and keep yourselves fueled in a flame, alert to serve the master, right? We're alert, we're fired up, we're looking for opportunities to love people big, especially believers. We love everybody, but especially one another. They're gonna know we belong to him by the way we love each other. By the way we love each other. You love each other with your own love, selfish love, or hatred, bitterness, low levels of love, <laughs> lack of love, backbiting, gossip, slander, undermining of authority, disrespect. None of these things are love. They're gonna know by the way. Man, I tell you what, if there's one way we could be inventive, one way we could be eager, one way we could just be focused, it's on practicing love. Love looks like hospitality, guys. It looks like that. Helping other people, thinking about them, remembering them, and not just thinking about myself. Look at verse 14. Bless those, this is where love gets real. 
Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Come on. Let's Let's get practical. Let's get serious. This is where it gets really hard. And I think he's just like coming to this really, Paul's just bringing us to this really hard pinnacle challenge. And he's just ripping them off here. He's like, do this, do this, do that. Don't do this. Come on. Get fired up and do something amazing for God. Let them see how you burn with love. And watch the world just turn over for Jesus. Bless those who persecute you. Who can do this? Who can do this? But this is one of the most transformative things for you as a person and for the people around you. It is such an important practical discipline. Look at what 1 Corinthians 13 says about love. Love isn't rude. And I've flipped some of these, okay? So you think about them in the context of not persecuting or not cursing, of what they don't do. Love never jumps to conclusions. Right? Love believes the best about others. So love never jumps to conclusions. It's not rude. Rude. It's never hurtful. It's never hurtful. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always forgives, right? Love always lets things go. Love never fails. Love never gives up. Love always wins. Love works every time. They're going to know you by his love. Be love-centered. Let love be the center of who you are. Look at what Matthew 5.44 says when Jesus leans in on the subject. But I tell you, love your enemies. <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you. Paul didn't just make this up. Jesus laid down the line. He said, we're going to do stuff different. When I'm moving in your life, you're going to love in a way that is so contrary to everything else you've ever experienced. It's going to transform everybody around you. It's going to be so different. People are, you're going to walk in a room and, and, and it is going to smack them in the face. Love is counter-direction. You, you ever walk in a Disneyland and you're going the wrong way? Everybody's like, notices you, right? You're like bumping into them, you're like, get out of my way. You're that salmon swimming upstream. And you're like disruptive. They're like, get on the other side of the street. I don't want to. The candy shop over there with the Disney ear suckers is right there. I'm on this side of the street. You have something you want to go to, somewhere you need to be when you're at Disneyland, right? You need to love like there's somewhere you need to be. You need to love like you're, you don't care how everybody else is swimming. Just because all your friends and everybody that gets hurt or doesn't go their way or they get disappointed. Now think about this. People in the church, we don't just get mad at people that persecute us. We stop loving when we just get disappointed. Oh, it disappointed me and they didn't do it the way I wanted. It didn't work out my way. And then we get all mad. And if we start talking bad about other people, even in that environment, 
we're weak. We're so wimpy. We're not even being persecuted and chased by people and nobody is trying to kill us today because we're worshiping. And we just can't find it in ourselves to find some love in there to just bless the person who disappointed us, let alone people that persecute us. How are we going to love our enemies, those who are despitefully using us, coming after us on purpose to try to harm and hurt us, if we can't even love people that indirectly might, har- might, might, might disappoint us? Oh. Well, listen, I, I just want we got to shake it up. You can't be soft. Love is not soft. Love is swimming upstream. Love is counter-directive. It is always pushing against the ways of the world and the ways of your flesh. It is disrupting that stuff. And it is hard and suffering. But you and I have what it takes. You have what it takes. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside you. John 15 says, connect to Jesus. He is the vine. All of this life comes from him. And it will pour out of you if you just pray hard in times of trouble. I just want you to get in your mind. You're a love marine. (laughs) Special forces. Yeah. You show up. First in combat. You're geared up. You're ready. You're alert servant of the master. You're a marine of love for Jesus. You're not hard on people, rude to them. No, you're loving in such a counter-directive way where when somebody slaps you in the face, you go, love you. <laughs> I watched this comedian one time. Just He's got this whole philosophy of if you insult him, he just praises you. I can't even remember the guy who should YouTube him or whatever, but it is unbelievable. They go, you want to beat bullying? Praise them. It's a biblical principle. Somebody is persecuting you? It says here, he says, don't curse them, bless them. When you bless them, it freaks them out. Their brains stop. (laughs) I hate him, but you're stupid. You're like, but I love you. You're amazing. You know what? I love that smile on your face. I think you have great potential. I think God wants to do something good in your life. Well, you're a stupid bleepity bleep, and I think you rock. I think you have nice hair. Right? I mean, whatever it is, you find a way to bless them. And what happens in your life when you dig into the space of blessing, it can't come from you. You're conquering evil by doing good. If you want to experience love in your life, bless those who disappoint you. Bless those who fail you. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who persecute you. Come on. Bless them. God, I bless them in the name of Jesus. That misery, miser, miser, I bless him in Jesus' name. He's no longer a miser. He's a giver. I'm calling that person out in the name of Jesus to come up higher, to experience your love, your power, your authority, God, move on their life. I I ask for your best over them. Come on. Love is more powerful than disappointment. Love is more powerful and stronger than our troubles. Love isn't isn't even phased by the failure of others. Love isn't confused or in doubt during suffering. Love embraces loss with compassion and not discouragement. Love conquers all, delivers all, never fails. Connect to 
the vine, church. Get in some Jesus time. You really don't have any excuses. We can make excuses all day long. Or we can lead by example. God's calling you to be a Marine for him. A Marine of love. Lead by example, not explanation. Lead by example. If you have to explain it, you didn't lead strong enough. You didn't love big enough. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to defend yourself. Love's so big, it's disruptive. Love's so big, it's disruptive. Be a Marine for Jesus, even in times of trouble. Don't make excuses. Love big. Practical love. Here we go. Let's declare this. I am a love-driven believer. I am a love-driven believer. Come on, all together. I am a love-driven believer. Declare that over your life. Verse 14, let's look at that again. I bless those who persecute you. I don't curse them. I pray that God will bless them. Come on. We gotta be love-driven believers. Let's declare this. Can you guys read that? Is it big enough? Today, I declare that I am a love-driven believer. I will not make excuses. I will lead by example. I will run from evil. I will hold on for dear life to what is good. I will bless those who curse me. I will serve those who do me wrong. I will conquer evil by doing good. Can get this in the devotional. If you sign up for the devotionals, you download the app, download the, the message. But I declare that I'm a love-driven believer. I will lead by example. I'm not making excuses anymore. I'm gonna run from evil and I'm gonna hold for dear life. That's the message. It says, hold for dear life to what is good. Let's do it. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep the, with those who weep. It says in the message, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Isn't that beautiful? Corinthians says love isn't jealous or envious. See, when we're envious of other people, when they win and they succeed, instead of rejoicing with them, we get jealous. Sometimes we undermine their success or don't stand with them. But I want you to think about this. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Just think about it like this. Being with people in their pain and in their celebration. So don't be a fixer. Don't be an escape artist the balancer, or the bulldozer. So a lot of different things that we naturally incline to do when we are not centered and rejoicing in our confident hope and centered in love is that we try to fix people when they're in pain. You're in pain, and I'm like, i got to fix it. What can I do? Let's go do this. I'm going to take the pain away. Put the Band-Aid on. Fix the pain. That causes problems. That's not real love. Or the escape artist. Is that escape? That's the accept artist. I've been one of those. Maybe you guys could fix escape. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. Okay, escape artist. Don't be the escape artist. Where you, when it, trouble comes, you're just trying to run. 
There it is. See, look at that. Boom. Auto-correct. <laughs> Love this program. We just run. Sometimes we don't like pain, so we run from it, right? We're not comfortable when people are mourning or rejoicing. Pride keeps us from, like, being humble enough to, like, say, man, I love watching you win. You made a million bucks? Go for it, baby. I'm not jealous that I'm living in a double wide. I'm blessing you. Or the balancer. Think about the balancer. And we do this instinctively. It's like when the boat, we imagine relationships and mourning or rejoicing are like a boat that's listing and going to take on water. So if it lists this way, it's like, oh, you're mourning and you're down today. I'm going to run to the other side of the ship because I've got to be your counterbalance. I don't want you getting out of whack. Because I'm afraid you're going to get stuck there. I'm, and I might even just be afraid of being there, but I'm actually afraid for you usually. And then when you start rejoicing, you're like, oh, no. It's like he's too high. He's going to like. And so I like climb up and I try to bring you down. Because you're like, I'm worried you're going to get prideful. Okay, you're worried about controlling other people. Your fear is causing you to restrict and hold yourself back and others from real and genuine relationship. Don't be a fixer. Don't be an escape artist. Don't be the balancer. You don't need to balance it out. You can be with them there. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will love them out of that trench. The Holy Spirit will keep them humble. Because yeah. he is humility. That's his job. Your job is to rejoice with them when they rejoice to mourn with them when they mourn. Don't be a bulldozer. Emotions, what are those? I run those over before breakfast. Watch me roll. <laughs> Emotions, don't be the bulldozer. It's like, I don't do feelings. Yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> you basically don't do relationship, and you don't do love. Kind of a problem. Just be with people. Love is patient. Love is kind. It sits with people in their trouble, and, it's, and it, it, it jumps up and down and rejoices with them when they win. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. How about that? Just work it out. Come on, just, just every time you're in relationship, don't try to make it harder. Try to make it better. Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Be in harmony. Work well with others. Be nice to be around. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people from Nikiski. And don't think you know it all. Super simple. We don't have cliques in the kingdom. Make it work. Live in peace and harmony. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And don't think that you know it all. Don't create a little clique around you and others where you're just too cool and too awesome and too good to be around ordinary people. Jesus raised up 12 ordinary people. And they shook the world. Ordinary people shake the world. They confound the wise. I kind of want to be ordinary. Verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave it to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge and pay it back. Here's the message. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Yeah. If you ever, uh, if, you've, if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. And you do because you have the Holy Spirit. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do all the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Message is so great. It's so hot in here. It's unbelievable. I'm burning lots of calories, though. It's so good. All right. 
Verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. You see how practical this is? If, if, if your enemy is in trouble, you go serve them. You engage in their life with love. You don't hit back with anger, with malice, with something the world would do. You go counter direction and you jump in their life and you love on them big. And when you do that, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. So awesome. You want to get even? Love them. That's how you do it. You bless them. You pray for them. You give to them. They steal something from you. You give them the Jean Valjean. You give them more stuff, right? Come on. Not enough people got the Jean Valjean. It's a great movie. All right. I'm not telling you the secrets. You've got to figure it out. All right. Our scriptures, uh, uh, this is the message. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy is hungry, go buy that person a sandwich. Or if he's thirsty, get him a Coca-Cola, all right? A Diet Coke if he's Rick. Benjamin, your generosity will surprise him with your goodness. Your generosity will surprise him with your goodness. Maybe a little better way to think about heaping shame on somebody. Shame is good when you know you felt something bad, when you've done something bad, okay? Toxic shame is bad. When you beat yourself up for it, that's different than when I want to turn from the wrong behavior. Somebody turns from their evil and wrong and bullying behavior, not when you thump them or beat them up, but when you love them. Love them big. And here it is. This is the close. Verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Come on. Let's go back to Romans 12, 9 in the message. It says, run for dear life from evil and hold, uh, run for dear life from evil, evil and hold for dear life to good. It's beautiful. Run from evil. We're going to conquer evil, church. The only way we do it is not by having a bigger sword or having like some other bigger thing that we can fight with. We just simply walk in love. And it is practical love where we're dominating evil as love marines, church. Just pounding evil in the face with God's love. Today I declare that I am a love-driven believer. I will not make excuses. I will lead by example. I will run from evil. I will hold on for dear life to what is good. I will bless those who curse me, and I will serve those who do me wrong. I will conquer, conquer evil by doing good. Romans 12, 2, I'm gonna close with this. It's a mindset shift, church. Mariah preached it last week about the renewing and the changing of our mind. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. If you're acting like the world, you're you're acting wrong. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God, I think when someone is mad at me, I'm gonna bless them. When someone is rude to me, I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna speak good about them. I'm gonna actually even do acts of kindness to show them how much God loves them. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. This which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's perfect will for you is to love big, to conquer evil by doing good. Amen. Will you close your eyes for, with me for a moment? Father, today, this is for all of us. Jesus, I want to be like you. Renew the way I think. 
Well, put your hand on your mind, put your hand on your head and say, Jesus, change the way I think. I want to love like you love. I want to see people like you see them, God. Change my heart for people. Fill my mind with thoughts of goodness, thoughts of love and of blessing. God, I speak blessing over every person that's persecuted me, that's disappointed me, failed me or hurt me. I bless them now in Jesus' name. I bless my mom. I bless my dad. I bless the abusers in my life right now. I speak life and favor over them. Help me to see the way you see. My job is to be a love-driven believer. Father, in Jesus' name, I will no longer make excuses. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm gonna lead by example. Father, in Jesus' name, I am running from evil and I'm holding on with dear life to what is good. In Jesus' name, I'm gonna be a blessing machine for you. And in Jesus' name, I'm gonna serve those who do wrong to me with love. Father, fill me up, change my mind, renew me by your word in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is your lucky day. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but whosoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. God has a perfect and beautiful plan for your life, a plan for good and not for evil. And you might've showed up today and you didn't, you're drug here and you might've just wandered in or you felt like God, you're in trouble and, and, and you need help and you're tired of the way you're living. It's simple. All who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. If there's anybody here today and you say, that's me, would you stretch your hand in the air? I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, I see your hand. Anybody else? Thanks. Yes. Let's pray. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God. Save me from my sin change my life today for your glory. Fill me with your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.